and the herd ran in fear. And the dark ones, children of the worm, walked the streets in the day. I turned my head from the sight. The phoenix told me, this is as it shall be, but not as it should. The phoenix left me then. Now I cannot dream. I can only remember the signs, each one in perfect detail. These are the last days. May Gaia have mercy on us. 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse, a review podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. And of course today we are going over the Book of the Worm, first edition. But before we roll into that, let me introduce who we have with us today. Unusually, and that's because Mike is hit or miss. Uh, but Mike, it is awesome and always a welcome to have you. Thank you for coming. Thank you, sir. Well, g- good to be back. And of course, Nick. Nick, how you doing? Uh, I can't complain. I can't, he can't. He can, but he won't, is what it is right <laughs> now. Uh, we won't have that happening. Um, so today, folks, I promise you Book of the Worm, first edition is what we're going of. But what is the worm? It's one of the things I want to get into before we start going out. And the Book of the Worm tells you a lot about it. You've heard a lot about this guy. Me and Nick have joked that he's like an evil magician in First Dead that's come around so far, battles Gaia, like some weird, <laughs> connived way at, at this point. And uh, we've made jokes about it because we're making jokes. I know some people thought that, do you seriously believe that? No, we don't believe that. But it's made to seem as if, right? And this book right here, The Book of the Worm, covers a lot, opens your eyes to a lot of things that goes on. But some of the rules must be discussed about the book, and there are some. Number one, it's written from the bias of the worm itself. I'm going to say that again. The worm has a bias. This book is it. And what that means is, is this book about evil things in it? Yes, it is. Is this book about dark stuff that happens that the worm causes? Yes, it does. But also, as you'll get into the section we're going to dive into today with the Black Sparrow Dancer, is going to open your eyes to the fact that they, even they think they're the heroes, right? They, not everybody can be the hero. And we got we to iron that out. But when I say, what is the worm? Um, what, do you, what comes to mind, guys? What do you think of when you hear that? What the worm actually is? I think of Shinron from Dragon Ball Z. And I know that sounds like a joke, but I think of this great, big, cosmic, terrible, literal serpent-like worm whose influence infects all of the awful bad that the, uh, that the guy we fight against. Well, I, I'm completely unfamiliar with Dragon Ball Z, but hey, that sounds, that sounds about right. Sure. <laughs> okay, Boomer. Okay. <laughs> but, but what's it called again? Shinra. Islam of ba- I don't know what it is. Are you saying um, Shinra? Like from Final Fantasy VII? S-H-E-N-R-O-N. Uh, all right. Shenron. <laughs> all right. All right. I, I, um, I don't know. I, I don't know what that is, Mike. But I, it's, 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 your description's not wrong. And what you're saying, I just didn't get the reference. But it's no different than, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but Jormungandr, right? The world serpent, the, the ender of it, right? Mm. That's a seam is the end of the world, right? Hence why the being is called the worm. Not because of that reference, but there's a lot of groups that refer to this giant, evil, dark serpent. Like, look, it's set. That's another mm-hmm. one that's supposed to be. I mean, they have a reason uh, for evil and snakes and things like that. But ultimately, what the worm is is defined here. It's a primordial force. It's a primordial, meaning it's the origin force for a lot of things. And in this case, it's defined as a primordial force of the beast. We got to say what it is in the book. Is it of the beast? And it's interesting. When you think of the worm as primordial beast, it's uh, it's present in every frenzy. And to that, it immediately calls to the vampires, right? 
you wonder if the beast is a thing. Often I have said the beast is separate from the human in regards to how they refer to it, but is it? And the answer to that is, no, it's not separate. Hmm, but that's interesting. If the worm is the primordial beast, how is it here? Well, that's because the worm is there for humans as well. Virtually, as it described, the primordial force of the rage unbridled, the complete and utter loss of control, is what the worm is. It is that beast, it is that force that just destroys. It just rips through. It, there is no reasoning, it has no remorse, there is no pity, there's nothing that goes into it other than it will destroy. And that's it. And we'll get later to this when you hear the Calamity Worm, which is the Beast of War, which is one of the three heads of the worm as it has now. Now, why this is important to define, because there is a connection. You wonder why is it that the Guru look at vampires and say they're of the worm? Well, it's because they are. They distinctly are. They even have a skill. The more of their morality they lose, whether it's humanity or on a path, the more of the worm shows. And the, and the, and the Guru, they're, t they're living beings, meaning they don't have, a, 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 excuse me, an unlimited lifespan. So think about it. These new guru who come out or are told the worm is bad encounter an old vampire. And that old vampire has the humanity low enough that it can't disguise the fact that it's of the worm. Well, to them, their own litany says it's of the worm, kill it. Are they incorrect to do so? No. Those are the rules they live by. Those are the laws they know. That's what it is. It makes sense. However, the guru are also of the worm. That's what rage is. A misconception is that rage is the product of the wild. It is not a product of the wild. It is the worm is the source of that rage. The difference is the guru are also embodiments of what else? The wild, even the weaver. They get all three primordial forces into one body. You know who else is? Humans. You get how this works? So there's a bit of each and all of it, right? Gaia is the source of all these primordial forces. They're spat out. These primordial forces, there's three of them, and they govern it. Why do we have to understand this so much? Why the lecture, Bob? Because often, and even reading this book put a lot of this in perspective and hunting around and seeing what they're referring to, they're trying to bring up that there's a time when any one of these aspects can be in control uh, of heavily influence what beings or entities are doing. As we're going to read and you're going to hear about um, in this book, they tell you uh, there are certain sources that are of this or of that in one of the triads. And then immediately people are going to think, oh, well, they must be of that exclusively. Mm, not necessarily. Not saying there aren't exceptions, but typically, no. Now, why is that? Well, in a spiritual perspective, and we'll get to that when we mention the, the chapter on the worm itself, you'll see what that means to be a primordial force of anything. So essentially, if you're a primordial force, we'll say here, your energies influence the known cosmos, everything in it. And if the worm is that of the primordial beast, it means that force of rage that renews. That was its purpose. That's what it's supposed to do. It renews things, right? Weaver establishes a balance. The wild is unrelenting, constant, just energy of life. So in other words, they're defining the circle of life. But this circle of life is coming from the minds of, uh, well, not just the authors, but in a way, as the guru still see it. So when I looked at this book and I started reading it, I was like, I wonder if this is basically how the Black Sparrows see it. If I sat down on the edge of a, of a hive and had to listen to a theorist, would they be spitting the gospel of this book? Because this definitely seems to be an educational piece. And it is. It's also a way, because entertainingly, there's a bias throughout this book where they're really selling you the creepiness of the worm and the corrupting influence of the worm what the worm does and the many tendrils and all that stuff. But you got to understand that this all comes from somewhere. Now, why? Reason why we uh, do all that and get to it is because when you hear stories like the intro story here, Legends of the Guru, it talks about the tale of the White Howlers, right? Talks about that a bit. Uh, Nick, you want to go over that for us? Yeah, I, I can easily do that. So the White Howlers um, were an ancient tribe in the... Uh, 
the Pictish regions of Northern Europe, specifically Irelandish and in and England. And the Romans came up through that area to to kind of take over. As as this book portrays it, that they came in through there, you know, exerting the weavers' influence. And uh, and it was the uh, it was the white howlers that stopped them. The white howlers come from a region called Caledonia, which is traditionally Scotland. It was so much that nobody could stop them. They get a Fenris in Germany couldn't stop them. Um, and there was nothing that, that, that stopped their march all the way up until they got to that point. Specifically, the White Howlers were a fearsome tribe. I want to make sure that I, I, I get that, you know, like across. And what happens is uh, when the, they came to a ceasefire, they took a different tactic. Uh, Fomori came in. They, they snuck past the, the, Adrian li- the enemy lines at the Hadrian Wall, and they reawakened these old cairns that they had, and they started um, sending Banes and Fomori out to corrupt the kinfolk of the White Howlers. And what they did was just slowly, piece by piece, the lines started getting weaker. Where that's true, where that's true, we're more in the origins of the BSDs. Now, I want to, all that's relevant, but in the intro story, what they, what they give us, right, is they give us a, a rite that's performed. And this is more of a rite of remembrance. This is where they call the Grand Moot, and they bring all the cubs and everybody around to hear the story of the fall of the White Howlers. And that's what it is. And there's important things here that they do as a society. One of them is that they make sure the defenders are on point in this Grand Moot. And they want them facing, looking out for the bond, look, looking, looking out from the cairn to make sure they're safe here. And they're going to tell this story. Because it's what happens with the White Howlers that they were unprepared for. And in this story, they talk about how the uh, everything that Nick says is basically the detail. Roman conquest going on, stuff like that. But in the intro story, they don't talk about the Roman conquest very much. It's, uh, it's mentioned and it's gone over because the most important part of that story is the reasons why. Why were the White Howlers deciding to go up and do it? And that is because they're press ganged to go do it. And what I mean by that is there was no choice. When Rome was coming through, Rome was coming through in the backing of many factors. And because, Nick, you opened the door, and I didn't, I'm not saying you're wrong at all. I'm just saying we're just going to combine the two here. <clears throat> when the door was open, we know the Malkavians were in Rome. Yep. And they were influencing heavily on what was going on. What does that mean? All you vampire listeners who think werewolf is just, you're not fans of it, newsflash, yeah, you are. It's, it's deep in the histories of what goes on here. And more importantly, it's that the worm influenced the mouse right here in print uh, to, for Rome to be so chaotic as it was. Because the worm has a goal and an agenda. Its agenda is to use the weaver to wipe out the wild. Yep. That's what it was doing. Well, how can it do that? Right? If the worm, Bobby, just said was the calamity, whatever is this beast, it's all it has. What's it? Well, the worm is corrupter as well. The worm strategies are revealed that it has three heads. That's what it did. It can't on its own directly oppose uh, the weaver and the wild because that doesn't work. However, it can oppose them if it splits its, its uh, energies and it makes parodies of it. And we'll go more in detail of that, but, uh, but there are two others that it does. But for the focus here, it decides that it's going to corrupt Rome as it goes through. Believing the weaver doing its thing is going to come through and deal with the picks. And so Rome did what as it conquers? It builds roads, infrastructure, brings technology, builds things up, and does all that. And the assumption is, hmm, well, then the picks must not have been very technological, and that's, yes, that's correct. But why was that? Well, because at this point in time, they're wild influenced, right? They just haven't developed. They haven't had a long enough time doing what they do for technology to pick up for them. And so because of that, they're living off the land, living as one, following different principles, doing their own thing, which fits along with wild influence. Yep. You know, they're still energy budding. So when Rome comes in to find this conquest, they have to deal with them. They are able to stomp over everyone except 
for the picks. You know, they dealt with the Goss, dealt with the, another group, but uh, I'm just going to leave as a footnote, but it's the Fianna's people. I don't want to shortchange, but the name slips me, the tribe they govern Celts. there. Uh, but Celts, yes. But uh, specifically, get, Fen- get a Fenris and Fianna couldn't do nothing. It is the White Howlers who stopped them completely. Mm-hmm. And because they stopped them, Rome did a thing, and that is they built Hadrian's Wall. Now, Hadrian's Wall being built bought an opportunity. Because they're stopped there, none of the Howlers were jumping in over on this side either. And Rome had this, their side locked down, but strangely, they had vampires and Fomori that knew of these hidden sites, these places in Scotland they could sneak to to activate and open moon bridges to let other forces through to harry and decimate the White Howlers, make it to where basically they were too busy to have their solid force altogether, kinfolk and, and tribe working as one. What this fragments into for this, this story retelling is the fact that because there's no unification, like why didn't the Fianna and the Get take moon bridges over there, directly the White Howlers to reinforce them? Why weren't there other tribes running over? Because for whatever reason, they just didn't. Now, we don't know that story. That's not to say that the opportunity wasn't on the table, but that clearly wasn't, there wasn't those alliances, right? If you're protecting your own and everything's going on, well, how could the Fianna and the Get know of what Rome was doing? To them, they were just people coming through, doing conquests, warring with their own people. And I think werewolf players believe that when we say the Get of Fenris and the Fianna are here, that we think they're at the front of the line. They're not at the front of the line. People are people, right? Not even all the army's kinfolk is out there. These the big tribes we're talking about here, for the vast majority of them, they're warring to war because they war. So in the middle of this conquest, they're hearing stories of something being corrupted or they're following their own agenda because there's these odd banes that are now here. And before they figure all this out, because they're doing their own thing out here, Here's Hadrian's Wall, and these vampires are already moving because the worm is organized. It knows Rome's here. It knew of those tribes being there. And while Rome is warring with them and keeping them distracted on their home front, it sends in these infiltrators. The fact that it's using moon bridges is what threw me. I don't know if it did you guys. When I saw moon bridges, I said, we just went over moon bridges in Cairn Places of Power. We talked about yeah. it. And it's a, it's a blessing given by a loon, which is the loon is the connection. Because it begs the question, right? Why aren't the Black Spiral Dancers just attacking by Moonbridge. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you would assume they would take over one cairn that is in the network of Moonbridges of other cairns and just assault one, assault two, assault three, assault four. Well, well, there's some reality here that we got to we gotta mention uh, to what goes on. One, think of the era and the time. It's quite possible that these places of power might have existed, but again, we didn't have the allegiances we do in the modern, right? We just don't have those connections yet. Um, if you think about it, the, uh, the, the, the tribes they talk about um, referring to the the Celts, the Picts, and the Goths, they're not even unified. So it stands nope. to reason the werewolves with them are letting them be themselves, and they're not even unified in what they have going on. Secondly, when you're dealing with the White Howlers, we're assuming that these people, by description alone, were more or less dealing with it as it comes, right? Because this came out of nowhere. Well, now they turn around and their leaders see that their kinfolk have, because this goes on a long time. How long? At least a generation. Because as they're holding this fight and the war is going on, suddenly Baines decided uh, that early on that they were going to possess certain kinfolk of the White Howlers. And then once that's complete, they, they would start mating and breeding. And this next season of pick warriors or pick children were mutating. Either some, or, or were simply horribly corrupt somehow. There was something wrong that was going on. And the leaders of the White Howlers realized we got to act now. Because whatever's coming, this force, this, this worm, it's destroying us completely. And the worm had never singled out another tribe like this before. And it could have, but it did them. And so if you're listening, this comes as a big plan. It chose to manipulate the vampires where they were, 
to bring in the Romans, to lead a conquest, to have Hadrian's Wall, to have this standoff, to separate the tribes, to isolate the White Hollers, to go in and reactivate these places in Scotland that for some reason the White Hollers never knew. And when they were activated, these other forces come in to further weaken the White Hollers and take the majority of their werewolves here and there with their powerful packs distracted to then only influence their kinfolk. All the worm had to do was corrupt a generation to convince the most powerful White, white Holler pack to decide they were going to kill the worm. They reached this decision, it dies. And then that is what led to the fall of their corruption. Hubris. It's that simple. This book outlines it like easy math, and there's no way they, they could have known. Now, if you're wondering why the worm needed the White Hollers to do this and go through this harrowing journey, um, well, I don't want to skip ahead. The intro story does highlight a lot of this in a better fashion than what we're going because we're adding the actual detail that they throw in as to why the Romans and all that. But the point is, the scary part for them and why they retell this is that the White Hollers didn't just die, right? It describes them entering a pit. And they go farther down in that pit to encounter the worm itself. And when they did, these strange screaming mouths of like madness and tendrils were coming up from a pit and the howlers dove into it to eradicate it. And instead we're, we're, we're swallowed whole by it, basically. But then we're spat back out. And what came back out were no longer white howlers. And the, one of their own of their pack that survived clawed its way through madness. And he made this harrowing trek to run all the way back to a nearby cairn to basically tell the Fianna there, uh, what happened? And my assumption is Fianna. It says he made it back to the Cairn. Don't really distinguish who, but we assume not a White Howler Cairn. Probably a Fianna. But let's, for the sake of argument, let's just be humorous. Let's well, say he gets to another. Why wouldn't it be a, a White Howler Cairn? It's what I'm saying is they don't make a distinction. Oh. And so for me, you're getting the word out means you would have you would have made it somewhere where everybody could know about it. And that's my assumption. But uh, we'll say White Howler is fine just to keep con- uh, congruity here. And uh, when he gets out, and tells him about it. They're relieved that he could get out, but obviously he collapses he's exhausted and in a feverish dream passes out they leave him to sleep their defenses are still their defenses but somehow his old pack made it out of the pit snuck on in and devoured him yep and then the rest of the force came for everybody else now why i say that it wasn't a white holler cairn is because you know about the story so to me it makes sense that it made it to like a fiana cairn and told that story, they would have started putting the word out. Well, that's the because remember uh, that's the that's the tricky part. It is a white holler Karen. He does come back to. Okay, good. So I just missed it. Um, that's a uh, it's golden happens. Um, so what, Mike? Keep having that look at your face. Well, it's just if he made it to the Howards, obviously the book says that he did right. But why would they? If he made it to a a, a, a Karen of white howlers, eventually those people become BSDs or they die. Why would they have allowed this story to get they out? They make it so seem you're, like you're one in, pack uh, uh, was uh, uh, able uh, uh, to pause clear Nick, them all out. Pause, Nick. Pause, Nick. No, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, Mike. Like, because right now you're making what the people wrote the book, what I challenge, because I'm directly with you. It doesn't make sense. If you want to say they were trapped by Hadrian's Wall and couldn't get back because they're a warfront and that this great deed took place and they were just screwed, there was no way they could make it out. Why would he stumble back to a white holler cairn? Why would he go there? Because how would he get the word out? They're yeah. trapped already on all sides by vampiric influences, open cairns, banes everywhere from where we marching through. How the hell does this guy make it back to that front? And then on his heels is this pack that comes and devours him, sneaks on the cairn, and that's that. And you'll have that make sense. And it is a mystery. They said he makes it to a white holler cairn. There are many ways one can get the word out, right? Spirit sent, whatever. But if you're me, if this was such an ironclad point and plan, then now you're picking a part of story to go, well, then why didn't the Fianna help? Why didn't the get come in? Why didn't anyone else come to help bail them out of the situation? You're being attacked and systemically hunted by a new group of werewolves that the worm spat out 
to eat the rest right. of the white hollers. Where are they to help them? And here's the simple answer. We got to have a villain, right? I'm going to state this. Often folks believe that they're like, just like me, I made a mistake here in the air. I don't, I'm not phased by it. I misread or I overlooked and it happens. The guys who author this book can't think of every possible angle you're going to go into, but they got to give you a story. And the story that's going with is it's great. You could retell this and make it a game about the people there. Maybe your player characters save the White Hollers, but there's still enough of them to be BSDs. Yep. So now the White Hollers is a tribe you can add. There's even a White Holler tribe book just in case you want to do something like that. And that's that's grand. But what we got to do is here for this point, it's dark. It's the world of darkness. And right here, they don't. And he stumbles to a White Holler cairn, which uh, it, it wrenches my heart because that sucks. He came back to where he knew and he should have been protected. And then they go further to mention that some of the White Howlers there were already seduced by power. Yeah. And, and Bob, he didn't even make it one night and, and his home and right. his home territory before they got in, got him. And you have to assume the rest of them. Right. right. You have to assume they broke that cairn, scattered that cairn. They, they must have sent one pack of their very best to deal with this problem. You know, like, well, I mean, if it like was they were sitting at Rivendell and they sent out Frodo and take our best warriors, all hopes right on you. And they come back and kill you. Right. Because they did. They said it was a powerful pack of White Howlers. We have to assume they're most powerful to decide they were going to take out the worm. That's that's how it is. But regardless, that tale's told and why it's creepy to the guru is for obvious reasons. You talk about telling a story. And then the Black Sparrow dancers show up to eat the person who talked about it, which is the point that I care about the most. They establish a urban myth, an urban legend here, right? Mention the BSDs enough, and before you know it, you'll meet one. So have a care is more or less what they say. Very serious writing an intro story to read and kind of go through. Definitely hooked me in the whole of the book. I think it's going to definitely gives the feel of what you're about to read as well. There's a lot of wondering as to why the worm so easily does what it does. And it's, and, and I say easy but it reads like, man, I hope we should have had stop points and whatever. I think that's the point. I think it's written to where there's villainy there to where you, the heroes, because that's what you play as player characters, realize that there's some balls dropped. There's some places missed and you got to shore up for, for sick of heroism. And it's a, that's a good thing. And I enjoy this book for that. And that alone now, however, what holds the worm back is, as a primordial force. Yes, Nick. Uh, there was one point I wanted to add in quick. Um, and when, when you were talking about, at the start of the story and they, they assemble everybody in a circle and they all face outward to protect. I also like the aspect that it allows them to turn their backs on, on the story itself, you know, almost like uh, almost like in shame and uh, in, in dishonor. It's a, it's a thing. Um, I like the whole presentation of, it. I think where was draw is the fact that you can do these rights in a live action setting. In fact, I've done some uh, like this story uh, that is very fun uh, to recreate and do because it definitely makes you a part of it especially with folks who are willing to give it a shot. Um, no doubt there is Nordic everything and that has been done and it was a lot of fun. So I'm just saying, I had to throw that out there, throw a Nordic jab every once in a while for fun. Uh, so what hold, I enjoy it. I'm just saying, so what holds the worm back uh, within us all? So if the worm is in everything and we have it, why is it that humans aren't running amok? The answer is it doesn't. I, I want that to set in. Think of world wars and conquest and genocide and things we've done. That, that's the worm. I hold back. What are you talking about? That's the worm winning. That's that's what it do. And that's that's where you see it in humans. However, in each human, we all have a battle to face. Right. And the worm is not as loudly heard because we have what's known as a conscience. We have a sense of morality and a strong one. And that battles fault every day. Now, so do the guru. But the guru also have power and power is forever a doorway open. Right. That makes it even easier for the worm to get in. 
because when you have power over a thing, you're, um, we'll just look up the concept of evil or look up the, what I believe it's the Stanford experiment where <laughs> it talks about what happens when you have a group of people become guards to watch over mm-hmm. another group of people and see what happens. They have no reason to be shitty to these people or to be bad, but it brings up that concept of morality. Why did they do what they did? And then you think of the authors of this book and it had to have known about it because when you think of the worm in this concept, you very easily can understand worm is choice to let it in. I want you to hear that. It's almost like it's a cosmic rule. Here is this power that you can tap into it, but how much you tap into and how much you need of it, it can also become of you, right? Because the more you use, the more success rate you have, the more success rate, the more you have to have. How much of you is left before it's just it? And that's sort of the solution here. And that's from a mortal point of view. Well, if you're the guru and every battle is won by rage and you're running through and rage is the only source, well, that is true as well. Eventually, you're just this rage being ripping through everything, not caring of consequence, but that your needs are fulfilled. Someone will have to put you down. Yep. So to the vampires and we, we get how this works. Now, that's also an insight is the worm as corrupter. Like I often mm. s- I smile to think of this, right? You want to call the worm a corrupter and they say this right now. The worm corrupts everything. Does it? It can. It's, it's some of his best work, right? Like it can corrupt the best of us. Hence the white howlers. Hence all sorts of nature spirits. What is the thing called? The, uh, the big fella, the big fella, uh, Nexus crawlers. Oh, okay. Right. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do this whole thing with phalanges by his face. I was like, thinking, are you talking about? I, okay. I, don't, I didn't know. <laughs> don't judge me. It's been a while. Okay. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Uh, you're right, man. I stopped you at your point, but you were saying. <laughs> well, no, no. I was just saying, like, I think that that's the. That's the part about it that would scare me, too, about the White Howler story. If I were to say, oh, that's that's poppycock. Don't be superstitious. Our young cubs need to know about this. I would still be worried that the moral of the story is that even the best of what we call ourselves are exceptionally corruptible to what the worm has to offer. I'm going to I agree with that 100 percent. I feel that that's exactly what that story's for is to serve as ammo for them to make the right choice. Yep. You know, within themselves, you you're ultimately you're the one who opens that door. And that's that. And that leads all that talk is to get you folks to this point to understand the theme of this book. The theme of this book is corruption. Corruption is not someone walks up and whispers to you and their ideals become your ideals. True corruption is somebody walks up and points out that you're not getting what you want. Why don't you just do what you want to do anyway? That's corruption. You've had the power the whole time to take more for yourself. Why don't you just take more for yourself? Well, because it could hurt people. Well, I'm not saying hurt people. I'm not even mentioning. I'm just pointing out that you have the power to take what you want to make yourself feel better. I'm going to go over here because I've done that and I feel better already. <laughs> and then you turn around and do it too. You see what I'm saying? That's how that's how that works. It's it's insidious, right? And to that point, the mood this book wants to land is doom. It's pointing out quite clearly how we're in an apocalypse, how the worm is winning, how its war is mounting, how it's winning every little battle. And uh, every skirmish is just stacking up and stacking up and stacking up. And to that effect, in a world of darkness, that's what you want. Because the why it's called worth the apocalypse is because you, the players, are entering in a doomed time to do what good you can and somehow survive or win, depending on the ST and the story you want to tell. But how do we use this book? Well, what's interesting is, number one, if you plan on being a player and you're going to play a werewolf the apocalypse setting here, I will tell you to stop listening. Just stop. Skip this episode in the next because we're going to finish the Book of the Worm because this specifically is a book for storytellers. That's who was geared for. That's who it targeted. You're going to storytell the world of darkness for werewolves. This book is for you. 
However, they add anybody can read it. Sure, no problem, but you're kind of ruining the delicious meal you're about to have. When you know how the sausage is made, it's not as tasty. It's that simple. You know, you, you know what it took to get there. You know what it's going eh, Maybe not even. So I've heard some people going vegan after learning how sausage was made. It was a done deal. <laughs> so that's a, that's the a thing. Uh, but in this scenario, we're just talking about if you know all the bad guys and all the stuff in the toolbox and the idea, suddenly you're building characters to handle all the stuff that comes out of this book and you're not going to enjoy that story as easily. So it's a thing. Now, chapter one governs the Black Sparrow Dancers. Uh, to this end, um, we're going to kick off with understanding that the Black Sparrow Dancers, we know, were the White Howlers. You just heard us talk about it. But they're also referred to as one of the Lost Tribes, or as this book calls it, the Lost Tribe. Later on, they'll mention Lost Tribes, plural, as a thing, and they're a part of it, and they include the White Howlers. But the Lost Tribe means they were once a Guru Nation, and these people were a tribe you can rely on. They existed. They don't anymore. That's it. That's, that's all we could say about the beginning of it. Now, to that end, before now, you've never heard anything about the Black Sparrow Dancers, right? You just heard they were BSDs or the evil worm guru. They're coming for Ooh. you. They're going to eat you. They're going to do their thing. Right. And so we've had mustache twirling people use them to come in and be these evil villains. And we really don't fully understand what, how, and why, what ways they're going to operate and what they're going to do. However, a couple things to know about these Black Sparrow Dancers. Many guru feared to speak their very name, right? They're afraid of a stigma of what might happen. You bring some sort of evil on you or what have you. Uh, their tale of corruption is told, and that's what the beginning was. And um, Nick already opened up the, the can about, you know, where they even originated, right? Yep. It's the time of Roman occupation of Britain. That's where the White Howlers reign and where they had worth, and that's where their great tragedy is. Now, with that all being said, and thinking about the inclination of just how far wide-reaching the worm is, like even back then, whoa, it had influence in, in, in Rome. And that's when you understand when you think of it as a primordial force, which it is, yes, nobody holds the, the card for corruption or power in that regard, and we know how bad Rome is. So that's one of those things open to ship, or at least ancient Rome in the eyes of the tale being told in the world of darkness. Now, a lot of people don't know, though, what that White Howler pack faced. We know they went there, we hear dark tendrils grab them and pull them under, but what do we know about what it is that they took on? Well, first and foremost, let's go back to that moment. They're going to go into a, to a pit to go wage war on something and figure it out. We have to understand that, all right, they go into a pit, but at the same time, BSDs believe the White Howler pack was dragged onto a moon bridge to face the beast of war itself. Mm. The beast of war is the Calamity Worm. It's one of the aspects of the worm divided into powers I talked about earlier, but its face is uh, that, of the, that of the wild. That's what it faces. It's said that the wild is unstoppable by anything except the worm. The worm is the only thing that could stand in the wild's tracks. Why is that? The wild is ever life, bursting forward and creating anew. The worm is the ender, is the renewer to be specific. And that's what it does. That aspect that ends is the calamity worm. That's what it does. However, the calamity worm is also considered something to be thaw wild, or as they refer to it, a, a parody of what the wild is in this aspect. And because of that, this is what they faced. Why it's important to get all that, people believe that they went down there and faced this ultimate battle of epic proportions and blah, blah, blah. They did face a battle. There were a lot of things protecting them before the BSDs, that, or excuse me, not the uh, BSDs, the cairn itself, the pit as it is, before they got to the Beast of War. So they had to fight their way to this point. Then they get swept on this moon bridge. Then they encounter this entity. Mm. And if that wasn't bad enough, once, once that's there, they get thrown into Malpheus. So not only do you see this aspect of the worm, then it's your, your, your dumped in in Malpheus. Now, what Malpheus is, is this dark pit, basically. It's this realm uh, that the worm calls home. 
And in this realm, it forces them to dance the actual Black Sparrow Dancer, or Black Sparrow Labyrinth, excuse me. Yep. Now, this Labyrinth, I won't do it injustice because I know there's a book uh, that they, they create that talks directly about what the Black Spiral is, and it does a magnificent job. It's not only a prop, when we get to it, it's going to be a lovely read. But the point is, just imagine that it's a, it is a labyrinth that you have to go through, and that there are many challenges one faces in this labyrinth in ritualistic fashion. And they have to go through this harrowing of a sort. And as they go through it, it changes them wholly. They come across to be something quite different, as you'll, you'll hear about here when we get to the rest of what the BSDs do. But that's, that's what the original White Howlers went through, right? That original group. When they're done, after being announced, they face the worm, they do that. Um, they emerge uh, with the mark of the worm as a brand on their foreheads. This lets everyone else know in the cairn that they are in charge, that they, they come out and they know, you know, those that the worm has chosen is to be greater is there on an instinctual level. And this begins a different campaign. Now, why is it a big deal that the worm got the white howlers to in the first place? I mean, let's think about this a little better. If the worm had vampires and it could corrupt vampires, it could basically corrupt whoever it wants to. Um, we know there were other fair in existence and it could probably corrupt them too. Why is it that it's the werewolves that are considered this, this power source or whatever? And why is it the worm had to get him some? Uh, that's a staunchest opponent. If you can turn your opponent into your friend to continue fighting your opponent, that's the sweetest sauce on the pie. Cosmic guerrilla warfare. <laughs> it's interesting. They outlined the ultimate goal of the worm is to destroy the wild, to get the weaver to entrap Gaia. That's what they outlined. That's the worm's agenda. It's a soul agenda. Now, the reason being, we'll get to, the BSDs have an interesting belief system on it, but that's, that's it. That, that's what it was doing. That's why it grabbed the White Howlers. It can't create werewolves, and I agree with Nick. Its most powerful proponent is the werewolves. Before anyone says it, let's go through why. I agree with you. There are were-sharks, but they govern the oceans. Yep. They were made for a different purpose. There are Macaulay are powerful. They're the memory. They, they serve a different purpose. Well, aren't there Naga to take out shape? Well, sure, but, you know, at this point, this is first ed, but I'm going to go through it anyway to let you know. They have a distinctive purpose. They take out the very worst that are out there. They're not as numerous. And when you think of it in those lines, well, wow, that's kind of a point. Every one of those fair were bred for a specific reason, but the werewolves were the one permitted to be multitudinous, to have a populace, to have a population to run amok and cover Gaia and do their thing. They were also the ones responsible for the impergium. When you wonder what the point of keeping the human populace in control was, it's because whatever powers that be knew the imbalance that would come from humans would cause this action to happen, that the imbalance would create this. Now, nobody can defend that mass populace leads to an echo disaster and you, know, you hear up global warming. You know, all the, you know all the stories. We know that in real life. Mm -hmm. this, this story heavily plays on it. For what the guru got to face in the apocalypse that this is obviously what they're going for and they're really hammering home the guilt of uh, the ecosystem destruction and giving a reason that out of balance is what we do but they also give you an out it's the worm <laughs> right it's, it's the worm it's the worm winning you know where's the werewolves right um you could say that but that's that's the things that we're talking about here but the worm strategy therefore is sound if i can get one tribe if i could get one tribe i got something right and that's what it did. When it got the White Howlers and it had them get subsumed and become Black Sparrow Dancers, their agenda was to go around and take the Cairns underground, subsume them. We don't have a Cairn above, it's below. And we call them pits. And they make these labyrinthine tunnels and all this other stuff uh, to it. And that's, and then to hide. And then to hide, right? Only to reveal themselves to assault Fianna when it suited their purpose. 
and that's and that's it and that's from the ancient roman time or whatever back then on up to the modern where your players are going to run into them right yep. they literally did it to grow now if we understand that's what the bsds did they're turning the white howlers and come out what about their society do we know really so we know that they're white howlers and what the white howlers were we know about that tribe somewhat as fans of tribes we are as the good guys well then what is the bsd society and how does it function and operate well it's like a just like a mirror version of, of traditional garu society right they still got auspices they still organize themselves in tribes. Um, everybody's still got their purpose. It's just the inverted awful kind. It's a it's a little <laughs> bit it's a little bit different, right? They have they have metas, right? And the metas are plentiful and by a long shot. They're totally okay with metas. So uh in in the black spiral community, you are based on uh on your black spiral merit, which means you know, how, how far deep you've gotten into the actual spiral, which uh, we'll come to once we get to the rituals, because it's it's really cool. But uh, but <laughs> what you were before you came to the black spirals means nothing unless the worm deems it so. So like they have a hierarchy, but you got to earn it in a different way. And Metis are allowed to do it the same as everybody else. Lupus, almost unheard of. And the reason for that is because Lupus, like, uh, they, they don't trust black spirals. Black spirals don't understand nature that well. They don't get along well with like uh, with, you know, the uh, with the with the wolves. So they have a hard time finding ones that allow them to breed. Well, it, the, the point that they point out is, is uh, when you get to lupus, it's real hard to run around and rape packs of wolves, which is what the BSDs have to do because they there's a sickness and the wolves and the wolves recognize that sickness. There is a mental uh, derangement uh, that that sits at the heart of most BSDs. And because of that, they reek of the worm which is sick and wolves do not animals in nature do not groove to people who are also sick and diseased. That is the thing. So that's a problem. Why the Hamid route? Well, you're looking at the same problem. They can't run around and well, they can steal the Hamids they can and do to do what they, they yep. can to breed of themselves. But at the same time, that has a di- very difficult rate to succeed just like the normal guru do. But menace is a different matter entirely, right? That's like almost every time you're going to, you're going to hit or miss right there. We're just going to crank out the menace. Ding. Ding, and, and have ding, it happen. Ding, more <laughs> there's another. <laughs> there's another aspect of this too. Is that because they accept menace, they also accept Ronan. Well, of course they would. Ro- Ronan stand in their own too, and they're perfectly fine with that. They have one rule that's in their society that you really can't you can't betray the worm. Mm-hmm. Turn your back on the worm, you will be devoured. It's a pretty much open and shut case when it comes to that. Uh, their seps of, of of BSDs. They we were with that. They called hives. They have pits. Uh, they do have packs as well, but they only form packs to a purpose, which is what all packs should be. Uh, but they open up the door for basically standalone guru. And if you're bad enough, if you can, sure, no problem. Um, but they also wear these interesting um, heritage pride that they have. I found yeah, interesting amongst them. I, I thought so, too, like because you'd almost assume that they'd throw everything to the side. But they they keep very distinct track of like where they come from. And, and and who their ancestors are. And they can call ancestors in, like ancestors that were from who they used to be. Like, you may have right. a Silver Fang ancestor showing up to the door of a Black Spiral Dancer and be like, huh, all right, well, I guess, uh, I guess <laughs> I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> By the law, yeah, you know how to fish. Okay, whatever you called me for. Uh, that's right. Who knows what they would do it for, but you're right. You're very much right. But I also like the the trinket wear, right? They make these talismans 
uh, that denote their rank, family heritage, the, what hive they're from, the pack, almost more so than Guru do, normal Guru. Yeah. And it's like these items are made of metal, glass, artistry, whatever, that they they proudly have for them so that they know what's what. And that's probably because some of them are so mutated, they don't look like anything they started at, and you probably need that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know? sometimes when you walk back out of the black, you don't quite look the same as you used to could. Right, you went down in the hole, what? came back as a second head, Bob? Yeah, as a second head, Bob. Don't I mean, wouldn't it be a, a point of pride anyway, right? If I'm a black spiral, if I'm a freshly minted black spiral from a long line of honorable silver fangs, then that, that's something that I should wear on my chest. Like, I was the best of the best where I came from, and we conquered this this family of great noble Garu. Yeah, look at me. I'm the newest generation. I can actually kind of tell you that that is, to a degree, true. Because what they do value is the pure breeds. Like yep. most pure breeding you can have, you're you're of the most value. And the reason for that is because one, you're not a medicine and you're not infertile, right? So immediately you can you can produce others just by just by mating with other werewolves, which is just fine. But also you have a better chance of mating with uh, with with kinfolk connections and things like that. And it basically keeps a strong, firm line in what would otherwise be, you know, Silver Fang Voodoo Valley, where who knows what's gonna come out of your bloodline. <laughs> <laughs> well they talk about that too that they have no problem with incestuous relations either that's the thing that you know it's it's pretty pretty cutthroat in a hive on what you can and can't do and uh we'll we'll leave that at that it's creepy these are the villains i want to remind you of we're not saying the newest hottest pack to play just these are the bad guys right so uh, with this we let's talk about a bit about hive communication so for instance if all three of us had hives and they're near each other in terms of like within up to a thousand miles we got territory that kind of whatever um we would have tunnels. Yeah. Like a, like a series of tunnels that we would intersect with that we alone would use. Why this is, wow, it's profound, strange, it's weird, is because even I, as a storyteller, never thought about that. That these guys went underground and they built an extensive system to connect to one another. And it makes sense they would have to. It also makes even more sense that Hive A, B, and C all get along in some capacity. They have to for the survival of the tribe. Yep. They don't have a choice. There's 13 tribes against them. If they knew, where they start taking them out. And the advantage here is that you got to think about it. If we're underground, no other tribes living underground. And that was kind of like the white holler thing, I suppose, is that they had no problem with it. Well, here they are doing their thing, hiding and growing. And before you know it, they're out and about and waging war in ways nobody can understand how they're moving around so fast. But why not just use a moon bridge? Now, I'm with you. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm with you. And, and here's the thing that I think, I think right in that story, I'm going to tell you right up front. It was cool to say moon bridge. Because maybe while they were white howlers, they could. Hmm. Right? They had a relationship with Luna still. And so a loon doesn't care or doesn't know. It's a loon spirit. It doesn't know one way or the other where your energies are at first. But when they started using those moon bridges from them, them cairn sites, and it was a vampire and Fomorian, we don't know what rights they used to trick the Luna spirits to opening it. They just know that, well, there was a connection here anyway. You gave us the requisite. Uh, you have the pass stone. I guess you could use it. Huzzah. <laughs> here come these forces. We don't know. We don't know. We know why BSDs don't use it, because they would. They would. If they could get hold of one cairn and get that pass and start invading other cairns, they absolutely would. Problem is, good luck getting hold of one cairn. Let's face it, if it's one thing we read about cairn places of power, and they give you all those examples of a, of a cairn for every tribe, that is not done lightly. You decide to wage war on a cairn, you're waging war on the spirits around, that they could bring the bear, the allies they could bring to the fore, you will pack a lunch. Pack a lunch. That's going to be yep. a thing to do. Also, 
great campaign idea. Dun, dun, you want to have it to where they're right. You want to have it to where BSDs are now strong enough to boldly come out the ground and swarm Cairns one at a time, and you're going to be the packs that get to play messenger or the defense and create some mainline villains and whatever relationships going with Nemesis. That's the way to do it. I will play in your campaign. Let's do this, right? Tell the game. Tell Anybody the game. would want to. That would be a lot of fun, right? What are they going to do this time? But back to the point, they don't hear in the general sense because STs. You got to remember corruption. Right, This book is about a theme of corruption, but even the BSDs honor corruption. And because of it, why do a full brute force move when that would cost us far more than we would net by seducing one or two? Right, Infiltration is a thing, and maybe we can learn more here, and it's more villainous to play that long game. It's more of a story that you can get involved in, too. You know, combat's quick and easy, but a story of betrayal as well. Some of the best Greek tragedies that there are to read about, right? And that's sort, mm-hmm. of, the, that's sort of the point. Um, now, all that said, two unique rights that BSD have on top of it, in addition to the hive communication that makes them well special. One is the Dance of the Black Sparrow, which I think you already know a thing or two about. Uh, the other one is the right of transmogrification. Now, we'll talk a little later on about this, but that's, that is two distinctive rights that make this tribe stand out more than anything else, because both of those renew the bonds of the worm that they need to keep up and going. Why important for an ST? You will often forget that the BSDs do have to honor spirits, and they do have to renew the energy of the Cairn. And they do have to go through, teach their cubs, get more cubs, bring more in, corrupt and renew and go on. This is knowing that upkeep in that culture helps you, I'd say, a thousand percent in portraying a real thinking, breathing villain when you choose to use a BSD pack or a hive or what have you. Yes, Mike. Well, you just made me think, and it's probably a big diversion, so this might get cut. But what if (laughs) you ran a game where for whatever reason, the players were captured instead of killed by some BSDs? So that they could learn this cultural stuff we're talking about and perhaps even grow as werewolf players. I, why wouldn't you? I love why it. wouldn't you? Yeah. Okay. Right, but let's keep right. it in mind. Nick, don't let me forget it. So we're going to roll this through. So if that's the case, first, let's understand something. Let's say there's a BSD moot called, right? How would it be different for those werewolves to see this moot called from any other one? Well, one, we know that when BSDs call a moot, it's held underground yep. and, and all worm creatures are yep. welcome to it. What? Yeah, that's right. Where werewolves push their kinfolk off. Don't even be in the bond. We're discussing guy and stuff. Guy and spirits doing guy and things with guy and heroes. You're all, you're out on the side. BSDs go, well, everybody, we've gathered once again to hear a tale of villainy <laughs> and to treat. That's, that's good. Hey, do we have the Archbishop from Miami here? And present. All right, good. We got him here. It's good. Jeffrey Welcome Dahmer. Get him Blue, fresh good blood. to see you again. <laughs> Dahmer, how's it going? Thanks oh, for the hand. There's a bunch of scrags <laughs> over here. Uh, you guys have met? Yeah. All right. <laughs> we got a cycle make you. <laughs> they're present make sure to throw them more we don't know why they're here those guys love a party though right what a crazed event but again it's yeah. highlighting that culture of madness that they're kind of yep. in and you don't really know what their purpose is and they don't really know why they're there but we do know there's a renewal energy aspect of all of it right that's what makes hive so vile also notice how they strategically don't mention the nosferatu those evil little bastards you know with all these labyrinthine tunnels why didn't they say anything <sighs> the whole time i was Mm, okay, I'm glad. Uh, not just mm-hmm. me. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't pop the vampire bubble. This book did. They said Mox in Rome? No problem. What about Nas and Sewers? They missed these tunnels? Man, th- they mm. don't bring it up in this book. I know they bring it up in later books, right. but like these tunnels get filled with like ratkin. There's all sorts, right? There's all sorts <laughs> that goes on here. Other ideas for campaigns. <laughs> There's conspiracy theories abound, right? All right. So let's look here, too. Let's look at the beliefs, Mike. You said that we're doing a campaign where these people are captured. They're here and sitting down. Well, we know the moot would be weird. 
a little weird from what they're used to. Obviously, the whole pit would be a shocking experience. But let's say it moves on. They get to learn about BSD beliefs, right? Mm. How shocked would they be to learn that the triad's the same? There's a worm weaver in wild. They it heads on. That's it's the same thing. However, it would make it would make sense. But what happens? You take it in. <laughs> but what happens when they hear that trippy aspect that it's actually Gaia, who's the jealous mother growing in power mm-hmm. and overabundance, that she is using the wild to force mankind to breed out of control, right? All this energy running unchecked. And the worm is the father figure. He's the renewer. He is here to right the balance, but can't because Gaia empowered humans to have aspects of the weaver as well. And where the weaver used to be pre-human, just the one providing balance and, and giving things form. And that's what its purpose was. Mankind upped its technology and the weaver influence and look at all they have done. Now they're not getting sick, extended lifespans, just, just, we could go, I don't even want to open that bubble, but you get the idea how the weaver, yes, heavily did it, but the weaver trapped the father worm, ensnared him to stop him from doing his job, and now we got mom running amok, that's what the BSDs believe, now I want you to think, it too easy on the kids, (laughs) what's, what's the best, what's the best story though, when you hear the reverse, oh, it's the apocalypse, we're losing, it's going down, we're gonna die, the worm's here to kill everybody, and everyone's gonna get wiped out, uh well what about overpopulation was that gaia's fault i mean can't she stop the baby make hang on it's not gaia that's just mankind running amok hold on hold on she's a force of everything doesn't she know maybe stoppy with the mankindy makey baby like this isn't there an off switch like can we chill out a bit is there a way to make it a little better is there well no because once they're out of you know out and around from gaia they're just kind of free to do their well then why isn't the worm stepping up his game well because the weaver has him bound i.e mankind is an ultimate survival entity and it knows what technology do this is where i clip the spiritual from the actual mankind's an apex predator why do you think in every book that you read about they're always a threat if mankind learns of the werewolves what happens <laughs> they were the werewolves die they're gonna die we'll have werewolf yeah. pelts in every southern home in the americas right that's what's gonna happen <laughs> australia is gonna make werewolf hats right that's what's gonna happen <laughs> Europe will show pictures of the queen bouncing her foot on a Geta Fenris head, right? Just relaxing. It's going to become fashion. You know, what have you? Why? Because silver kills you and you prove that you used to control the populace of humans. You've proven you're a threat. You have Krenos, which is a threat. There's all this stuff that, you know, it would be bad news for them. That's why you have a goofy, weird veil, right? Mm. It's like the Grand MacGuffin for where of the Apocalypse <laughs> that would You go Krenos, oh. They get crazy. They run away. They don't know what they saw. Why? So you could play a werewolf and not get hunted so easily. I'm going to underline so easily. Yeah. Right. It's a gift from Gaia. It's it's literally or, or Luna or however, whoever you want to give to. Uh, at that point, you can kind of lay that down where it is. I like to break things down to that brass tass logic because at a point when you're going, well, Gaia allowed and this left. No, stupid. Primordial forces. You are looking at things being defined from a culture of werewolf. That's the lens. They're defining what this stuff means and what it is and slapping labels and saying what it is or isn't. Do they really know? Eh, they have a spiritual idea and an understanding and, and an explanation to, as told to them and what they interpret. But like anyone else, their intellect is being applied to situations they can and can't do, just like humans, right? Why? Because they govern five forms. One of them is, well, Hamid. You know, they have lupus, Hamid, and they have the fuck, or uh, lupus, Hamid, and Kronos. And Kronos is the embodiment well of rage that's thrown in there right or weaver wild and whatnot now to bring it back home in that belief system when you apply it to the bsds telling you it's really the worm who's your daddy that gave you rage to help you deal with all this 
Well, now that's a different argument, isn't it? Sit down with your child, a Gaia player, tries to tell you Gaia is the source of everything. To hear the BSD as you're the trapped child of Gaia make that claim go, well, that's interesting. What if I told you that your dad's been trying to talk to you the entire time every time you friends it? Yeah, I mean, doesn't it feel a little bit more natural? Right? right. One of those characteristics that we just put right next to all werewolves is the werewolf. Obviously, it has rage. It's destructive. It solves problems by turning the pumps on. It seems more like they're uh, wormy than Gaian. But we always see him on the Gaian side. If BSD tells me that story and I'm a baby cub, I- I'm more likely to believe the BSD. Can't lie. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you then, and that she can talk about it as being more, more quote unquote, wormy, as you put it. But what we're talking about is, is that she can't hit it at the spiritual. You have to hit it as, did you ever think about your rage and the problems that it causes? And that those problems are only problems because you're being told that they are. But in another way, you're empowered. Your father has given you the ability to handle your business one way or another. You're not always angry, but when the time comes for that rage to be used, you can use it. And where one side's going to tell you that it's wrong to do so, why is it? And now we're on a different conversation altogether. Now you get how corrupted it is, though, right? For the BSDs to say that. Like, it's, think, when you think of the society, uh, by the way, this conversation isn't taking place in a nice boardroom where we're sharing, uh, we're sharing fika. We're sitting around eating chocolate balls and eating, eating friggin' bagels and some other nonsense and, and confections. Where it's taking place is, is bodies, a typical hive is described. Toxic waste might be in one section. There's going to be just bodies rotting in a heap in a corner because either you weren't snacking or someone else was. And that's, well, that's one of the things that'll do, you know, Bane skittering around. If you've ever freaked out about a tiny spider coming down near your computer, imagine a four and a half foot spider with a human face crying like a baby because it needs to suckle some fresh. These are the good guys, Bob. There's no reason to be talking about that. (laughs) Obviously they're the ones who are supporting father worm. <laughs> right. Right. Anyway, don't, don't get it twisted, but that's that's an interesting take they do. And uh with that, they talk about the overabundance of life and all that's fun stuff, but ultimately you're just like, get out of here. Get out of here with the evil nonsense. That's that's a bane in the corner, I know what it is. Let's let's brawl roll them dice. Yep. Right? <laughs> that's a that's a thing. If you get that far. I mean uh Right, if you get that there's, far. There's there's a reason why why these people don't do the same thing. You also have a grand BSD demographic too, if you ever wondered. Why aren't there BSDs everywhere? Well, it's interesting. First off, you have to do the total. It's somewhere. It's probably written. But they put in here, wherever you total your number of guru that are left in the tribes, the Gaian type, by the way, only a tenth of them are BSDs. Yep. One-tenth the populace. Another reason why they're still hidden in the sidelines. They're not, they're not anywhere to be contending with anything. Now, it's assumed they were even smaller than that. So it's sort of a niche surprise that they're on the rise, at least according to this book at this point. Now, they should be on the rise. Well, because they're letting in Metis, right? They're letting in every everything yep. you've thrown out, they're letting in, right? That's 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 a secret to grow your numbers right there. If you can work over there, come over here. You got a place, pal. Mm-hmm. Hop on the knee. Mm-hmm. Santa will tell you why you're getting everything you need this year, right? <laughs> One of those creepy things. Um, they're also, uh, they're mating and breeding aggressively, you know, within without the hive. They don't need love. They don't need romance. They're literally like, uh, sorry, but that bar uh, co-eds, wrong night, wrong time. You know, or there's a lupus pack that no one's paying attention to. Let's go and steal their alpha wolf or whatever you want to call it and uh, make it happen. And we'll get it to breed with some of us. Can we get somebody who looks clean enough? Can we do that or whatever? <laughs> whatever system they're going to use of corrupted nature that you can think of, it's happening. There's also the grand wignall of orgies that I don't even want to get into as to what a black spiral <laughs> dancer thing might be like when we're accepting medicine incest as a thing. That's a, a pretty creepy aspect, if you ask me. Um, but. 
The most important thing about their number game, which I found highly hysterical, is the impressment of other Guru into the BSD tribe. Now, how do they do that? Well, it's very simple. If you remember the process of a Guru, you can be born and a nearby Sep gets word through a little spirit that, you know, something like that went on. And then they got to come over and see if you might be, right? Just that you're of blood or might be of blood. Idea of the first change we talked about already and where that could take place that lets them know further you're there. Well, the BSDs get, get a word as well, right? They got a kin fetch and that's a good thing. And if something like that happens, they come a running. So it's a race between you and another group to see who grabs that person first. Well, we know if the BSDs have them, they're not going to keep watching them and bring them to a cairn and let them in easy. They're uh, stealing them. They got a press gang process, right? And well, and uh, when they bring them in, they bring them in hard. Their whole goal is to sit them down and, hey, butter up next to that, uh, your mutated brother cousin, <laughs> you know, Ted in the corner. He's ready. He's going. Why does Ted have horns? Well, Ted's special. Why is Ted special? Well, uh, you learn all about that. Today, we're going to learn about the worm in you. What do you mean? Do you like Vikings? Jorman Gunder? Yeah, great. He, he's here. He's he loves you. You know you're a part of it now. Let's let's I, learn BSD school. I bet you feel real weird about them claws that pop out, but we all have that problem. Let us show you how it works. There's just one problem with all this abundance of BSDs being grown. They have a problem with madness and insanity. Yeah, is it? <sighs> turns out, <laughs> turns out some people can be so insane. Even the Black Sparrow dancers got to kill them. How? How? <laughs> well, you're uncontrollable. If your every answer is. <laughs> kill somebody you know <laughs> leatherface would have died uh, you just right? put him on a leash you just put him on a leash <laughs> yeah just kill him hey buddy if you're gonna like go against us we're just gonna kill you because we have an agenda you need to calm down you need to be renewed maybe you put him on a leash or maybe you just you know you give, give him the lenny way out because <laughs> i tell you right now he's not the one watching the hive while everyone's sleeping <laughs> well mike and then we roll to what's in the pits right that's one of my favorite parts. We know about Cairns and the bond and all that. And, you know, the center of the, the Cairn where the totem would sit and all that. Uh, you're right here. Everything's pretty much inverse, right? Cairns can be underground, but also they still call it a pit. Even if it's above ground, it's still a pit. Their, their Cairns vary. Their pits vary as widely as the Guru have Cairns. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing now. We're not in the ancient times anymore. They don't necessarily have to be below ground. But if they are, well, even if they are above ground, they still have tunnels and access ways. That's a... Now, without that, though, what's another unique thing to them alone? The, the glyphs they use. You don't really get into a whole lot of glyphs for the worlds. Like, you're told yeah. there's a pictogram and whatnot, and you see the artwork for it, and they give you a lexicon, and you could use it if you want to. But here they show you that the BSDs use them, use them actively as a point of note to the ST, that if you ever have players who stumble upon the labyrinth, they might not even notice it. This even explains why the Nosferatu may not have noticed anything but extra tunnel space. We don't know what the glyph would do. Right. So if the glyph is part of their language and you'd have to know that language to know whether or not if you go down here, the bane will confuse you. And if it doesn't recognize you, you're really going to go down here for 10 minutes, stand there, turn around and go back. Are you telling me that uh, your common Nosferatu wouldn't know like ancestral Pictish glyphs? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I got some players or that would they, argue. <laughs> Give me a roll. That they would know. They would know right along with their worm lore in that corruption piece. <laughs> right. The Nas Rocky goes self back and forth. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. It's never going to work out if you go that way. Right? That way is trouble. You need to go the other way. The walls will bite. Talk to the little man about the big guy. What? You get the idea. Uh, but basically, that's the system. It's how they mark these tunnels and know where to get around and how to do it and how to go fast or what have you. That their own unique way of going about it opens up the door that a storyteller can add whatever you like down these labyrinthine tunnels because they also say 
any manner of worm creature could be down there, right? That also know about these places to to and fro and go. Here's the trick, though. The Black Sparrow Dancers have a standing policy that if they're not of your hive and they're not BSDs, put them down, right? It strictly mentioned if the Sabat pack comes through the hive tunnels to come talk to you in a meeting and nobody showed them the tunnels and they weren't escorted, kill them. That's their last meeting. Well, why is that? You have a totem hole to protect. And that's one of my favorite terms in here that this book uses. First of all, this this whole section is, I'm just going to call it the double entendre section of uh, of the pit, <laughs> right? Our wormholes, totem holes, and otherwise holes. The totem hole is the funniest thing to me because it's like, you know, they, they consider this place sacred. What? The totem hole. What? It's a hole that grows with green, green light. It shows it's corrupted, but it's the totem hole. Where's What's in it? Well, the totem. Yeah? Yeah, the totem manifests from there. What's the totem do? Well, it's there. We'll get to that later. But that's, that's what it does there. It's where the where things happen. Stuff occurs. <laughs> All right. All right. And, and they talk about it a bit. Um, more or less, what you would use in a typical cairn, this totem being conversed with or discussed with is where the theorist would go and, and do rights, things of renewal, all sorts of rights apply that could go on there. In fact, I want to add that to you, that if you're looking at cairn rights and how the BSDs might use them, you could get a clear depiction that basically utility is utility, no matter what you want to slap on what side of the fence when you're dealing with spirits. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on what banes they use. I think we can get behind the fact that banes are a worm, and if they're worm, they could be used by BSDs for various things. However, BSDs do, spoke, uh, do focus on three. Banes of cunning, banes of corruption, and banes of strength. Yep. Now, as a quick review, what is a bane, and why is it a bane of cunning or a bane of corruption or a bane of strength? Well, banes are dirty, dirty spirits that serve the worm's purposes. And the reason that they're, uh, the, the corruption and, uh, and cunning and strength is because, surprise, surprise, dun, 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 that's the renowned system that black spiral dancers use. What they choose, it's what they have. It's what the banes work for. It's what they, it's what they urge them towards. Um, why? Well, we'll get into the belief system shortly, but uh, <laughs> a cunning and corrupting energy is a source of strength. It's power unto itself. And raw strength is always a source of power. And that's, that's it. Also, there's a triad to consider. The worm has three heads. Each of those encompass a head of the worm. We, we're getting the pattern, right? Yep. We're, we're clearly exactly. seeing that there's a point in here. Everything always comes in threes when it comes to werewolf. <laughs> and it is not a joke. It really does. <laughs> you might say that's your first lesson in the occult. So when, they, so when they talk about this, Mike, you're referring to people coming and being captured, you said before, and they're hearing about the culture, and they're getting the demographics, and they're getting the education, and they're getting all that done. What, how do they enforce them to do it? Like, how am I going to press gang you into being a BSD? And the answer is real simple. I'm going to force you to dance the spiral. Got to dance. Like Bruno Mars dancing. Mm. You got to mm. dance. Mm. Dancing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what this dance of the back spiral is, is that basically, long story short, until adulthood, the pups are taught everything. Language, customs, beliefs, heritage, the whole nine. And then uh, they're considered useful. However, at any given point, a pup can be killed for any reason at all. And that's just typical to understand in a hive, right? Oh, that is uh, that is so dirty, dirty sabbat tactics right there. <laughs> oh, you're not true black spiral dancer? Uh, well, you better do what I say, otherwise, you know, I'll just kill you. Because I can. Now, now, when you reach adulthood, you would think no longer you're at risk. Eh, wrong again. Still could kill you for any reason, but you haven't undergone your first change. But <laughs> let's say you did. Well, now we're going to bring you to, to the totem hole. <laughs> Remember that totem hole? We bring you to the totem hole, and we bring all the captured crew, so Mike's crew, get captured to get brought here too and we're going to reenact the story of the tribe's history as performed by skilled galliards of the bsds and they're going to go around and they're going to do the story they're going to do the tale 
And this might lend credence as to why they're afraid of this. Wait a minute. So we do a tale and they do a tale too. But the only reason they would know we do a tale is if they're now in this crowd. Right. And they're going to go like, oh, shit, that's why we have watchers is because they do a story, too. Oh, man, that was so close. I really wish I was back home on the right? And now they're here and they're going through the tale. And when it's done, they line them up. All the hive is all around with guests because that's how moods go. And everyone that, that supports the hive gets one of these members or whoever's standing in front of them. If there's enough, that member gets to gauge them up and down. And if they don't like them, kill them on the spot. That's the time. So even after you go through this, you hear the story. It's like, oh, I could still be killed. Yes. But if I don't kill you, then I can't just kill you for any reason that point forward. Now the hive has to think twice before they just off you. Like, uh, imagine the political maneuvering you got to do to make sure that you make it through the start of this of this trial. If, you, if you're coming up on the care and you're like, oh, please, please, I got to make sure that crazy Ivan is, is, is completely OK. I'll give him someone else to kill ahead of time. You know, we'll kind of get it out of his system before we get to this spot because he might just go, ah, kill them all. <laughs> what I was picturing in my head was that you get a silver fang who's in, who's in this group that gets brought in to be inducted. And he's like a rank two silver fang, bad times, caught at the wrong moment. And he's down here and he's holding to his beliefs. He's not going to trade in for nothing. But as they reenact the right and he realizes standing in front of him because he's hearing the story and just how many, he's not getting out of here alive. It's not going to happen. He just can't let go of life. And so he's up in front of him. And he stands in front of Bob, the BSD. And Bob looks at him and says, hey, what'd you think of the story? I guess, I guess those were the origins. Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, can I, can I have that clave? I, I guess. Like, I, do you know how to use it? Well, you know, Claviscar, don't you? That Silverfing's specific dueling art you enacted? You're pretty good at it, right? Well, yeah, I made my character. I have, a, I have a four in it. Specialty of five with the clave. Yeah, I know how to do it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If I can have this clave just for comfort and you teach me, you know, not only will I let you pass, I'll show you all the good stuff you can do here. And he's like, yeah, Bob, the BSD, here you go. That sounds fair. I, I want to live, right? And when he gives me the clave, I'm like, yeah. And then I run him through and open him up with the clave right there on the spot. <laughs> and then I cut off his head, right? Just gut him and like a fish. And I'm like, I got a new clave. Yeah. And the hive cheers me. Well, why would they do it? I just exerted cunning. I just exerted <laughs> cunning to add to my strength, to exert my will over a guy and foe who clearly wasn't buying into the story he just read and saw. Mm. But he wanted to live. And I knew that manipulated out of him. That's the opportunity of standing before the hive. They see you go through this. They're watching you the entire time. The idea of a mindless group sitting down here and you're, they're just crazy. That's your folly. That's your perception of what's going on. Meanwhile, they're learning everything about you through various banes, speaking the theurges, them speaking the wisdom, them judging your new family that is coming into your hive, the new blood. Not only that, let's say the hive goes, all right, everybody. I guess you're doing great. You're going to belong here. One last thing. And you look, and there's this smoky tendrils that have come out of the, the totem hole and have formed this shadowy spiral all aglow on the floor. And the theater just start clapping their hands together as the hive does, as it's clear that you have to walk this spiral now in front of the totem, and you have to begin this. And as you do it, there's a weird euphoric, almost psychedelic effect it has where you start experiencing the most horrific visions possible that are being inflicted upon you. There are enigmas being told to you that you got you to solve or think about or speak to as you go through the past their rights and tribulations and challenges. And before you know it, you're sucked in the umbra and don't know why. And while you're there, each and every one of you will have to gaze upon the actual face of the worm. And it has two results. Either you die a fright on the spot, right? Just cease to be in terms of your heart just done and you're well, dead. Well, anything's better than or, that, right? 
Right. Or your mind shatters. You're huh. literally like madness takes over as you're just wondering about the whole place. Just just gone. And, and the purpose of this, right. So, so you're, what you're implying here is that every black spiral dancer is crazy, right? Because they either no. died or their mind shattered. So as they put it, madness can be temporary. That's the thing. We'll get to that. So you're mad here. You don't know how you got to where you are, and your survival instinct is to come stumbling back. Sound familiar? Right? Where they said he didn't fall, that's Kororok, the, the guy who survived, yep. that white howler. They don't say what state of mind he was in when he came back, right? They just say he survived, and there's all that. But you gotta assume, it sounds a lot like they all walked the spiral, he's the one who came back, and apparently enough to tell a story. But here, here's the point. This right does that to everybody, right? They're maddened for the moment, they come stumbling back, but when they're coming back, the spirits that harassed them before are now teaching them what they need ability wise to survive as a BSD. Mm -hmm. They also grant them gifts as they come back through based on what they went through. And this is, this is cementing you. The worm teaches the worm challenges, but to triumph is to gain in strength and hence the point. And by the time you get back and you step out of the pit, and this is my favorite part, you step out and they're like, Hey, Bob, are you okay? <laughs> the tribe recognizes Bob's new name. Bob is no more. We only know <laughs> it's his name. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Whatever you said uh, when you were still high as hell is now your new name. <laughs> <laughs> the naming is my favorite part about this. It's, it's such a curse. It's such a curse. And you almost want to do this like a. Uh, completely with it with it with the players as they step out and be like hey so um right now you got to remember your your mind is completely gone like the things you've imagined you can't even possibly recall and and right now the only thing you feel is this weird like wave of uh of somehow like just anger that that wells up in you to to serve this uh this entity that you've just met and and you can't even form the appropriate words to say it but you walk out of the spiral and you see this theurge in front of you. What do you say? There's nothing to it. It's, it's one of the coolest things that you ever read about that you get to do. Um, and you're not done, right? You come out, you have this, eventually the, the madness in, in that state of that right clears your head, and you spend some time and what they do is, is you're almost now, well, you're not even almost, you're officially a BSD at this mm. point. And they're sitting in front of you and they want to get this talking you know, about, hey, worm has three heads, three faces. Let's talk about that a bit. And they explain to you the three aspects of the worm and they go, which one are you going to serve for all time? Which one is you and what are you willing to do? And you don't get the option to sit there and go, can I get back to you on this? No, <laughs> actually you can't. As it turns out, this is not a heart to heart moment, buddy. You went through all that. Oh, it's three aspects that we thoroughly taught you about. Do you want to serve? My favorite part is this, is they say, uh, if, uh, if they're indecisive, they're considered weak. And we know how that goes. So you better, it's not good. You better pop right it's out not and good. say, beast of war. <laughs> right. You better come out and be able to mumble something. Eat your souls. <laughs> Which one is right. that? I don't remember, but I'm going to find out. <laughs> That's the one. That sounds great. Souls back on Seems the menu, a lot of fate. <laughs> There's a lot of fate involved in what you chose. <laughs> Seeing as that's my name now. <laughs> Stark Loop, what do you have to say? <laughs> but pretty cool, right? It's a, it's a thing to do. They force press them in and they get them going. They even highlight, highlight how that is that they can have a totem. And, and what's the worm then? 
Is a worm like the grand mentor of all? No. In fact, it's much like having a god. Yeah. Right? The worm is the god. The totem is the servant. That's who helps you get through. You bond with the totem, and you better pay lip service to the one who let that totem kick rocks in its name. That's that's how it'd be. Because now you're gambling, too. You're hoping your god wins. There's a whole group of people, a lot more than you, saying guy's going to pull out and, uh, and, and take it over. And here's you saying, nope, it's dad. <laughs> adjusting your tie and hoping it's right oh man like this uh this kind of blew me away uh and that was that uh you follow the worm blindly and uh and the loyalty to the worm comes before the pack or even tribe it, without question whoever you say in that moment you are devoted to entirely beyond all else and it has to be right and then before we're done let's talk about the right of transmogrification yes now, the right of transmogrification is basically it's how they gain rank. I'm, I'm forever chilled at the fact that this is a done deal. Because remember, when your right of passage is done, that's a, that's a pseudo, pseudo Black Sparrow. But Nick, what is the right of transmogrification? The, the right of transmogrification is, uh, is, is, well, where the worm kind of whispers in your ear and you know it's time for you to gain a rank. And you go up to your theurge and you say, I will go through the right of transmogrification and I will walk the Black Spiral. And they say, I don't think you're ready. And you say, I'll kill you if you don't open this damn gateway. <laughs> <laughs> and then they say, I think you're ready. <laughs> right. And, uh, Seems you're serious. And then what they do is they open up the real black spiral for you. Before, that was just the Karen, like uh, the, the pits make believe black spiral. Now they're opening up a door right into Malpheus. And through that door is the labyrinth of the spiral. Like you are. You are walking the real, the real black spiral now in Malpheus. And there's supposedly nine circles here. And for each circle you make it through, you will gain one rank. So if you are rank four, you have to go through circle one, circle two, circle three, circle four, circle five to get out of here and, and to gain a rank. But each one of those, just as it was before, obviously there's a, there's a super bad test you got to go through uh an enigma or a puzzle or a challenge so you mean to tell me if we play the bsd game i can just start off rank five as long as i'm crazy oh no <laughs> oh, i promise you i promise you that if you are not seasoned right and you try to go through no no my friend um there are many people who step into the malpheus and that black spiral and don't even come back right they're they're not gonna make it because um, the key thing that Nick said here was you got to beat your challenge. Yep. See how that works? And that, and that does come up to come down to the storyteller. It could be a badass story and you're just amazing in it. But if you can't beat that, imagine you go to an enigma, right? That's your challenge. And it's rank one, for instance. I'm just throwing it out here. I'm not going to do the actual, but let's say yep. it is. And they ask you a badass riddle and you're like, well, fuck, I don't know that. <laughs> I don't think I said riddle, but my character would. I have enigmas of I built an Arun. Shit. <laughs> i'll roll my intelligence at diff eight i guess and the st sitting there straight face you sure will <laughs> roll well a botched well make a new character what has four legs and no arms a table wrong you <laughs> right? they're well within the right to do something like that you are tugging you are tugging on the leg right of danger at that point so the right of transmodification is known about, but why is it known about? Because if you want to tug on Superman's cape, you do. We'll open the hole. But if you want to go spitting in the wind and deciding that you're going to beat at starting out, oh, yeah, I'm going to take out that rank one. Maybe. Maybe you're at rank two. Congratulations. 
I'm gonna do that ring two. Uh huh. You're gonna go for that ring three? I don't know. Ring three is a challenge of combat, I think it was. Isn't that what he said? No one's there. Who are you talking right. to? <laughs> I laid the table of what's ahead. Are you moving forward? No, I'm leaving now. There you go. Sort of choose your own adventure. That's how corruption works. But the answer, Mike, yes. Yes. If you're that damn good and your ST wants to tell that story, yeah, you can dance your happy little spiral butt as high as you can get to. Well, I mean, like, even I was half joking if we play, if we were to play a BSD game like that, but in character, like in in the setting, you have some Metis who's born off his damn rocker and comes up on this situation. How is he like 18, 19 years old and rank five? Right, because he made it that deep, or rank four, or whatever. You, you know what I'm trying to say? Like that seems. I do, I terrifying. do. It doesn't. It, it it seems terrifying and improbable, right? But if you're gonna, you'd have to write that. Yeah, that's not something you'd let dice dictate. There's none. There's no gaining of rank. That's a roll of the die. That is a role play scenario every time. Can you do it as a roll of the die? Sure, but this is an ST book, and it doesn't tell you it's a roll of the die moment. It tells you it's a role play scenario. You will have to tell a story. Otherwise, yep. What are you doing? But this doesn't necessarily say run an BSD game, though you could. This is supposed to be how your villains gained where they are. And if and if you're inspired to say that there was a badass 18 year old who came up and danced and there's a purpose, that means the worm has a purpose for them. You wrote a story purpose for that NPC. Perfectly valid. Yeah, and you can you could you could actually run that that dance as as a, a long part of your chronicle. Like that's that's an entire story all to itself. And those those individual stages, you're walking that player through those those different stages. Hopefully you don't have a one player game, but if you do awesome. Right. Absolutely. They have a lot of fun with it, but to that end, that's enough shenanigans. Cause we're going to get to the, uh, to the heart of the matter here. Um, we're dealing with black spiral dancers in the round renown they look for. And as we mentioned before, their renown's a bit different, right? Yep. They respect power. Nick, what's the power creed they go by? So the power is, uh, it's, it's exactly as you think, you know, having the, the ability to, to control and intimidate other people. And that's exactly how it's based on. Power is not about you, but how people see you, which is the most. But to, that end, but to that end, do they have a creed that goes with it? Oh, like the and actual you know, creed? To follow. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking out of the book. This book as tool, not us as opinion, but the tool they give you is that they give a power creed. Can you read that for me? Sure. I shall crush my enemies. I shall improve myself at all expense. I shall never refuse a challenge. I shall use my power to the greater glory of the worm. Now, that's really all that needs to be said. This book gives you an outline idea of what the BSDs look for in terms of power, what it should be, and the creed they use, which obviously is a guideline to help you see that. To me, this is every bit like looking at a path of enlightenment for vampires, right? When you look at the, because it's different than the tip, like good guy stuff's easy, but this gives you an idea of how to form your, your quote unquote bad guy. And what goes on, and I shouldn't say "quote unquote" is the bad guy into looking at it. So they're looking at power as one. The next they're looking at is cunning, right? And the creed they give you is, "I shall hold to my word only while it is to my benefit. I shall know my enemies. I shall know myself. I shall turn everything, every situation, to my advantage. I shall never give foreknowledge of my actions." This is easily a guidebook to help you be uh, a thing that is just hell bent on taking over what they're going at. Like that's insidious, just those two things. But then they also have infamy. What is infamy? Well, it's uh, infamy is is your reputation. You know, it's uh, it's how everybody recognizes how awesome you've been so far in spreading that corruption and destruction that the worm so much values. If fame is how well loved you are, 
and respect how everybody likes you. Infamy is the fear you spread, right? Infamy is never a good thing. It's not, well, <laughs> for the bad depends, guys, yeah, it's good. Right? <laughs> right? So, but in, to be infamous is not necessarily good. Uh, but in here it says, uh, I shall serve the worm in AIDS. <laughs> that's a mistype of theirs. I shall serve the worm in AIDS minions. <laughs> I shall destroy the Hamans. I shall destroy the Guru. I shall rend Gaia to make way for the worm, and I shall spread corruption. In this is just sort of, it's, it's their creeds they live by. It's how they get up, move along, and move forward. But to that end, uh, we look at the Black Sparrow litany as well. And this litany is obviously different than the Gaian one, very different, in fact. Um, but chillingly, it's familiar. I, I was going to say, it didn't seem that different to me. Like, there was obvious departures, but so similar. So let's start it then. Um, talks about serve the worm in all its forms, right? It's replacing Gaia for the worm, and it's true. But that's pretty cut and dry. What's the next one? Uh, beware the territory of another. That one's not so, that's not different at all, right? But, uh, but why is it beware the territory of another? Well, we don't, we don't want our hives fighting. Right. That's the point. That's that unity piece that keeps survival in. Uh, in fact, give safe passage to those of other hives rolls right into that as well. Yep. Letting them through. Uh, what's the next one? Uh, slay those who will not join you. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, if ever we thought the cane bro had a home, <laughs> here's the litany. <laughs> Respect all who serve the worm. Well, why is that here when it's serve the worm in all its forms? Aren't those the same thing? I, I, I guess it, it could be. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not. Uh, there's a misconception that all aspects of the worm, well, serve and like all aspects of the worm. Well, that would be a false hold. The worm in unison would be a terrifying force if you combined every aspect of itself. And this is just the black spirals. So to them, we could serve the worm in all its forms, right? We can, we can help out with the Sabbat. We can help out with Pentex as allies. We could see ourselves allying with this group over that group as long as they serve the worm. It's okay granting permissions. But we don't like any of those people. We could serve you all, all we want to. That's fine. But we don't have to respect you. And in fact, I could serve the Sabbat to help take over a city to later kill the Sabbat because I think a hive would be better and we don't want the vampires around. Nothing says I can't do that. Nothing at all, in fact. So I could, whether I consider you weak or whatever, that's the point. Now, respect all who serve the worm. This is a different piece. So if that Sabbat does indeed serve the worm, and I find that out, or it's Pentex, who we know absolutely serves the worm, yep. there's a begrudging respect we have for them, and we won't kill those Sabbat who spend, give that service to the worm open, open-heartedly, so to speak. However, not all Sabbat do, and very few Sabbat even know of it. And that's, that's how that works and why, why I use that that way. It's a difference. However, the, even they say the veil shall not be lifted. Nick, why the hell does it say that? You know how it is. If, if, the, if everybody knows what's going on in the Black Spiral Dancer Hive, they're going to come down and try and stop them. And, and the reason for that is because people don't like being manipulated. And uh, once they find out that, that, that that's happening, that element of surprise is gone, that we've been messing around with you the whole time, eh, they'll come down and, uh, and mess it up. It makes sense. Makes complete sense. Uh, but do not suffer thy people to tend thy sickness and death. This is no different either. Right. Right. It's the same thing. This is almost, we can call this instinct. Uh, for the worlds and what they do. Uh, but uh, for those who need a refresher, basically, especially amongst the Black Sparrows, you respect infamy, power, and cunning. If you are too weak to run with the pack, you are culled, right? We don't let you be a burden to our operations and service to the worms. That's simple. Uh, the leader may be challenged at any time in peace. Again. Oh, okay. Right? This is the same <laughs> thing, right? If Hey, leader sucks. I think so. I'm going to step up. So then uh, opposing, opposing that, you know, the leader can't be challenged in a time of war, right? Reason for that, um, it should be obvious. It still holds the same for them. If they're at war with another group of 
we sign up for a campaign and it's going on and we're at war. We can't just decide to start nixing leadership <laughs> and changing up midfield. We're, that's that's bad. You can see why that's going to go off the rails. However, the circumstances which constitute war or peace are never very clear since the Black Sparrows are almost always involved in some sort of conflict. <laughs> that's where that's where it gets sticky. That's the fun aspect. But what's the last one, Nick? You shall take no action that causes a pit to be violated. Hmm. Eerily, eerily simple, right? Before we, we're, we're not going to dive into this just to know that there is a Pentex connection that should be clear as to the Black Sparrows, right? But they definitely give one here for concrete evidence, right, that occurred in the 1940s. And uh, we'll roll more into that with uh, Pentex itself uh, because we've been going on a wild time here. Uh, we also have the Sabat connection, but I didn't want to make this about the Sabat, though that's in here too. And they, they add that flair and flavor for it. But what we're going to do is uh, we're going to stop here for the moment. Uh, it's because we're going to finish this whole book up on part two. Uh, we want to make certain that we land in home the aspects of the Black Sparrow dances because they're the most uh, well-known uh, out of this books that, that get used. And to highlight that there is more dancer info in here that I would say is more on the fun to read for yourself to use for it. Um, what they consider tactics the Sparrows use or the Black Sparrow weaknesses, things like that. Yeah. How to use them in your chronicle if what we said wasn't enough. They got some quick tidbits, although not as exhaustive as as maybe I would have liked. Because it's one thing to say, here are the Black Sparrows and what they're about. It's another thing to say, how would I build a nemesis and apply that nemesis? And how could I get that to work in its many facets? But we do know there are many more books that come out after this. May shed some light on that. And uh, we don't want to oversaturate, at least at this point. Uh, with that end, uh, we'll pick up with Pentex uh, next week. And I want to thank you, Mike. I want to thank you, Nick, for coming out. Um, obviously, for, for being on here. Oh, and one last thing. You're going to ask this. Do they have derangements? Because they're not really anywhere mentioned in the first set up to this point, they are mentioned in this book as well because the spirals do have a touch of madness and that's there. Many things can get that. And they give you examples of what is, uh, what is in here for the deranged for, uh, the BSD specifically. And that's, uh, that's tied to it as well. Great. Interesting ones. Very interesting. So, <laughs> uh, we'll get to that. Well, we will, we'll leave you for that. And, uh, we'll start with Pentex next week. Thanks everybody. Yay. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of vampire, the masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years VTM.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website, www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire, the masquerade.